Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. What does it mean to be part of a church? What does it mean to say, you know, if you tell someone, oh, I go to Greenhouse? What does that mean? What does it actually mean to be part of a church? Um, when I was a youth pastor, we took a team of youth and young adults. Some people who are in this, no, they're all going to be at the next gathering. They're too young. Um, uh, to Thailand on a kind of global exposure trip. There was, I think, 17 of us. And one of the things we did was we went to a thing called monk chat. You could book an appointment with a monk and just ask them questions. And so we were all really excited for this, like excited. We got our questions ready to ask the monk and learn about, is a Buddhist monk? And we get to monk chat, and um, our monk walks in. He's got the, you know, orange robe, shaved hair, and he sits down. And we start asking him questions, and it becomes apparent very quickly that this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Like he, like he does not know anything about the Buddhist faith at all. And so we're just asking him questions. We're like, what, like, what's going on? There was another dude in there who was like, an older Thai guy who was learning as well, and he just starts berating, like just starts yelling at this monk. He's like, you're meant to be my teacher. And someone in our group asked the monk, why did you become a monk? And he said, well, I grew up in a um, rural mountain village, very poor. And um, the monks came around and asked if I wanted to join. And I wanted to wear orange, and the food was good. And that's literally why I became a monk. And um, that really struck me because you expect someone, you know, who's following a faith to have a really good answer to why they are following that faith or why they're doing what they're doing, why they're part of the tradition that they're part of. And I wonder when it comes to you, if someone asks you, why are you a Christian or why do you go to church or why do you go to greenhouse? I wonder really for some of us if our answer is any better than I like orange and the food's good. I wonder if we actually have deeper reasons. Um, we are just about to launch membership. We're going to launch founding members of Greenhouse Church. This is a big uh, shift for us as we grow up from being a little baby church plant to a, to a church. And it's part of a shifting governance structure that helps us set us up for the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years um, that becomes less dependent on me that this church will continue to go on regardless of, you know, what happens to me if I get hit by a bus or whatever it is. Um, so, I wonder what the word membership evokes for you. When you think about membership, I wonder what's like the image in your head. I have two that come to mind. The first one is like a pair of, you know, some, some old church ladies arguing over the color of the carpet or whether they're allowed coffee into the auditorium, you know, like just arguing over just stupid things. The other thing I think of is like a gym membership where you pay and then you don't use it, like and you feel guilty for not using it. And so you pay for this thing and then it's just like filled with like guilt. Um, I, I hope that for just for the next few moments, you can put aside whatever ideas, images of membership that you have, good or bad. Some of us I know have some like traumatic past experiences, which are unhelpful. Um, but if you would, just put those aside for the minute. I want to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
uh, verse 21. Very famous passage um, about the body of Christ. I'm going to read from the ESV. It says this. You might want to close your eyes and just kind of picture with me. This is Paul talking to a church plant in Corinth. He says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink from one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I, don't, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would its sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. For God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The idea of member, we think of member as like being part of a corporation. But membership is actually a, a body word. To have a member, like a finger is a member, an arm is a member of the body. It is not a stale thing. It's not transactional. It's like living, breathing, organic thing. To be a member of something is to be part of the organic matter of it. Now, you might say, you know, like if, if you're a follower of Jesus in here this morning, you might say, well, I'm, part of, I'm a member of the, the church, the universal church. I'm, just, I'm a Christian, which means I'm part of the body of Christ at large. And that is absolutely right. You are part of something much bigger, more expansive, more beautiful than Greenhouse Church, more diverse. Yet, your membership to the body of Christ has to find itself somewhere. Like your, your, your little finger has to be connected somewhere in flesh. And that is what being part of a local body of believers is. To be a part of the local body connected to the bigger body. To find its flesh in real life. It has to outwork itself in reality. And so Paul's letters were all written to specific churches. We read them now, like lots of churches read them, but they were originally just written to the church in Corinth or the church in Ephesus or the church in Rome. In the beginning of Revelation, there's seven letters that go out to seven churches. There were seven specific churches, the church in Pergamum and Laodicea and Ephesus. And even in the midst of this like big body of Christ, diverse across the world, across generations, there is something about the local body of believers that is really profound and important. So I just want to share 
three aspects of what it means to be a member of a local church. What it means to be a member. What, what does it theologically mean? The first one is it's an opting in to spiritual oversight. Now, this one, opting into spiritual oversight, is um, a little bit offensive for us as Western individualists to think that like someone would have spiritual oversight over, over me. And we don't like this one um, because we think no one should come between me and God, right? I have full access to God. And that is true, but there's also something appointed about the body. I wonder if that thought and that idea is way more kind of Western than it is um, biblical. That we come to everything and we think of I, whereas almost everything in the Bible is written as we. Or like as some scholars say, like when they say you, it really means y'all, like it means you as a collective. There's something about the communal aspect of our faith that it is impossible to be a solo Christian. So spiritual oversight. Um, Hebrews 13 verse 17. I forgot to give this one, um, so it won't be on the screen. But It says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. We don't like that part. Let's ignore it. It's fine. Um, their work, this is the part I want to focus on. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. This would certainly not be for your benefit. That is a really scary little verse for me. They are accountable to God for your souls. Your leaders are accountable to God for your souls. Is that, that is like, as a pastor, that is a really scary thing. So I and the leadership of our church are somewhat accountable for some people's souls in this church. The question becomes, how do we know whose souls we're accountable for? Churches um, operated very differently when, you know, this was written in Hebrews. So most churches were quite small, house churches. You might have had, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 people in a house. And the church was underground in the sense that, you know, you didn't have advertisement or you didn't have like a public worship gathering like we do today. Um, Because people would get killed and persecuted for their faith. And so in order for you to get into someone's living room to be part of a church, you had to go through like a rigorous process that they made sure that you weren't just kind of trying to infiltrate and tip them off to the Roman Empire or whatever it is. And so you would go through this, this process and you would get baptized into the church. So anyone who was part of a church was like, they were really there. They were, like, they were really in. They'd gone through, gone through all the checks. It was like a very high bar to come to church. Now, we operate very differently to that, um, partly because we have the blessing of freedom of religion. We can go and we can worship in public, and so we can have public worship gatherings. Um, And so you can come in, anyone can come in and walk in off the street. You can go to any church and walk in off the street. You can look up what time the gathering is on the website or on social media or whatever it is, and you can go. And that is brilliant and beautiful, but the point, the, 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 the rub point of that is, as a pastor... Where do I draw the line of who I'm spiritually responsible to, to God? The person who walks in one time and doesn't come back? The person who comes four times? The person who comes once a month? Every other week? Like, where do you draw the line? And you can kind of guess, um, but that's not a really helpful place to be. And so, spiritual oversight has to be given by you. Like, it has to be opted in. I can't, I can't force that on you. That's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for me. 
And so part of membership is about saying, yes, I am part of this local body. I'm opting in to spiritual oversight. I'm opting in to kind of the way that things are run. So, obviously you are accountable to God for yourself. That's like the way it is. Like you, you do have a, a, a level of accountability, but there's something in the structure of the way that God set the church that the leaders are held accountable to. And I think we are accountable for ourselves, but there is a collective accountability that we are accountable to God for. And so part of this membership journey is saying, okay, we need to get really serious about who exactly I am and we are spiritually accountable to God to. Does that kind of make sense? Siri just... Siri said, I'm not sure I understand. So... (laughs) Explain again. All right, let's go back to... No. Um... Spiritual oversight, the second reason is spiritual family. And so if spiritual oversight is more about you and leadership, spiritual family is more about you and the person next to you. That we are invited into the family of God. And that is not just about a pastor or a leadership or the church structure. It is about doing life with the people that are next to you in a deep way. To say, this is my community. This is my spiritual family. This is my spiritual home. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22 says this. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. You are members of God's family. You are welcomed in. And the same thing is, like, you can always be a, a part of a family, but what sort of family, I, like, what's the relationship going to be between you and your, and your siblings, you know? Like, how close are you going to be? That's the question. Uh, is this my spiritual family? So a membership is saying, yes, I opt into spiritual oversight, and yes, I opt into this, this spiritual family. And the third thing is, I opt into spiritual ownership, that you can theologically say, this is, this is, this is my church, this is the church I'm part of. Contributing, being part of something bigger than yourself, saying, yeah, I want to be part of the restoration of neighborhoods. I want to be part of the kingdom outposts that God has here. I want to join with God in what he's doing in this place with his people. That 1 Corinthians 12 verse, the, the body verse that we read out earlier, is saying that you are all members. You have a part to play. Some people are, are feet, and some people are armpits, and some people are necks. You know, like we all have this part to play, and without that thing, like the body is lacking. Without you, the body is lacking, even if you're an armpit. You know, like imagine a person without an armpit. I don't even know how that works, but it would be, it would be a mess. Um, we need, we need everyone. Like you are a member and you have a part to play. Um, without you, the body is lacking in terms of what you, uh, in, in terms of your service and who you are, in terms of contributing financially, in terms of hearing God on key decisions. That's part of one of the key kind of tenets of this membership idea is that we would discern the will of God together. 1 Peter 2.9 talks about that we are the priesthood of all believers. And so a priest, you know, in Old Testament thought, is someone who mediated the presence of God. It was someone between, between you and God, because God was like, 
holy and crazy and other, and you sort of need this system of like not getting too close because you get your face burnt off, right? And um, Jesus comes, the veil is torn, we all have access to God. And our idea, it's a very Baptist idea, is that everyone can hear from God. Not just the person with a microphone, not just certain like super Christians or whatever, but everyone hears from God. And if God is calling us collectively towards some things as a church, he will confirm that through multiple people, not just through like one, one person. And so that's part of the membership. And so um, being a member is committing to discern together on key decisions, like who we appoint to our leadership council, which is what we're calling like our eldership board, um, hiring any pastoral staff, or if I ever move on, I'm not planning on, but like if, if we need to hire a new lead pastor, that actually the, the members discern that together, um, discern around buildings, buying things, leasing things, and any changes to the constitution. Now, really important to note here that membership is not democracy. Church membership is not about democracy. Democracy is like when you go, we're going to vote, is it next Saturday, state election, we're going to vote for the thing that we think is best. And that's not what membership is. We are a theocracy. And so it's about discerning together what does God want us to do, regardless of my preference or what I want to do. What is God saying to us? And that's like, it actually takes some maturity to pass those two things out, not just what I want to happen, but what God's saying. And that's, that's really powerful when a collective of people are listening to the voice of God. Acts chapter 6. We see this happen. This is the first um, annual general meeting that we see. Acts chapter 6. So um, Pentecost happens, Acts 2, the church is planted. It's an, uh, an instant megachurch. There's 3,000 people, and there's people added to that daily. And this is what happens in Acts chapter 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, so we reckon there's more than 3,000 at least, because there's 3,000 at Pentecost, and they're multiplying, there were rumblings of discontent. So there's like this rapidly growing church, and because of that, there's some things that are being overlooked. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in their daily distribution of food. So the 12, the 12 apostles, called a meeting of all the believers. So they got everyone together, 3,000 plus people, all, all the believers, let's have a meeting. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers... Select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert of the Jewish faith. These seven men were presented to the apostles who prayed for them and laid their hands on them, so God's message continued to spread the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. And so we have this moment when like the, church, the first church is planted, it's huge, like there's things going on everywhere, there's miracles, there's crazy stuff happening, there's tensions in the city, there's like all, all, all this stuff happening and they're realizing that like the capacity of the organizational structure isn't, isn't cutting it. And so they call together all the believers. The, the apostles had the authority, they could have just gone, oh, let's just put these people in charge of this thing. Like, let's just pick leaders. But they didn't. They called the believers together, and the believers appointed leadership. And I think there's something very beautiful and powerful about that, that actually when we as people choose who it is that's representing us, who's leading us, there's something um, deeper about that than having that choice made for you. 
And so that's part of membership as well, um, appointing and setting apart key leaders in the church. So spiritual oversight, spiritual family, and spiritual ownership. Now, we wrestled a long time around how to do this membership thing because we've talked a lot about a centered and a bounded set. Um, there's a little graphic here. Uh, yes. So we've talked a lot about this, that often when you're talking about who's in and out, you know, who's part of us and who's not part of us, we do this in all sorts of groups, like everything, who's in and who's out. We, we put a boundary around it, which is usually, you know, a set of doctrines to believe or maybe some practices to follow or whatever it is. And if you step outside of that boundary, you're out. If you step in, you're in. The problem is, that's a very natural thing to do for humans to do. We put structures around things because it's helpful because it's like black or white, who's in or out. But Jesus didn't operate like that at all because Jesus came and the Pharisees were there and the Pharisees would have been like right in. They were following all the laws. They believed all the right things. Yet Jesus said, you are far from me. And then there was people like way out here who were tax collectors and prostitutes and people that were like far from like living the law. And Jesus said, no, these people are in. And so for Jesus, it's way more directional than it is positional. It's about where are you heading, not just where you are right now. Because you can be like right close to Jesus, but walking away, walking the other direction, which we do all the time, right? We lose sight. That's what repentance means, to return, to re-navigate, re-point back to the center. And so we always, as much as possible, want to be a church that is a centered set, not a bounded set. That's always about your direction. Like, are you moving towards Jesus or not? Um, because you can be right close. You can be right in it. You can be at church every Sunday. You can be leading up front, like whatever. You can be doing all the stuff, but your heart actually isn't towards Jesus. Um, and that's not a helpful space to be. And so we want to create membership that is more directional than boundary. Now, this is a little bit difficult because there's some like legal things around that and all that sort of stuff. But the way that we have set up to do this is there is a form. And um, at, at the moment, we're planning on just doing 12-month membership. Right, So you will opt in again in a year if you choose to opt in now. Um, and so it's not, a lot of churches would just kind of set and forget that you're a member, and then you've, you're a member for the next, like, 65 years, right? Um, and so, um, we, yeah, so we've been um, thinking about how to do that in a, in a helpful way, that membership actually becomes a tool for our formation, not just like a, a governance, institutionalized thing that we have to follow or a legal thing that we have to do. Um, and so there's a form you can fill out um, in, in a minute. You can take, take a look at it. There's a few requirements. One is baptism because we believe you get baptized into the body. Now, just a note on that, that like there's some people who have been christened or something as a child and they've gone through confirmation and that's been very meaningful for them. And so um, in my mind, that's kind of okay. Like if, as long as you feel like you've made a public decision to follow Jesus, uh, that's good by me. So, um, baptism. Um, and then it'll ask you around some of our vision questions. So, we talk about following the way of Jesus. And the way that you follow Jesus in a very practical sense is by gathering and by practicing. So, actually gathering with other believers because you can't be a believer on your own. You can't be a solo Christian. And actually practicing that, that you actually walk out the way of Jesus, not just believe a certain set of things. There's nothing about belief in the membership thing. It's actually are you oriented and walking towards Jesus? And so we have a, a bunch of gathering options, Sundays, dinner parties, triads, and we have a bunch of practices, 
Sabbath, serving, generosity, hospitality, uh, prayer, scripture. Um, And so the intent of that question is not about you to like tick off some list of like, yeah, these are the things I'm I'm doing so I'm allowed in. No, it's about for this next 12 months, this next season of my life, what do I sense God calling me to lean into? So when I fill out this form, I'm not going to say, oh, these are all the things that I do. I'm saying, I know that God's calling me to lean into prayer. You know, and this next 12 months is about me developing a, a rule of life around prayer, right? So it's, it's not meant to say, you know, these are all the things. And that's why we haven't said, like, tick the box of what the things you are doing. It's actually right. What are the things you feel like God's calling you into this next season? See how it's trying to be more directional than, than boundary. Um, and then there's a few other questions around contributing financially and discerning with us on key decisions. So how are you going? Are you still here? Yeah, that's good. That's good. You made it. Three really quick questions um, to help you work out whether this is the right decision for you at this moment. Um, The first question is, do you want to follow Jesus? And we will always make space for people wrestling with that question. I know there are people in this room that are like wrestling through this question right now. Do I want to follow Jesus? And if, if you can't answer yes to that question just yet, that's fine. Take as long as you need. Wrestle. You're welcome here. You're welcome into everything that we're doing. If you can answer yes to that, yes, I'm following Jesus, and I'm being baptized, or I'm going to get baptized, then the next question is, do I want to follow Jesus with these people, with this leadership, with this church? And that's a really important question as well. I know there's a bunch of people in the room today that you're like church shopping. You're trying to decide, do I want to follow Jesus with these people? Right? I want to follow Jesus. Do I want it to be with this? Is this the right church for me? Like that's a very live and real discussion for you right now. And so take as long as you need for that, for that decision. If you're going to answer yes to those two questions, the third one is, um, do I want to follow Jesus with these people and this vision? Like where this church is going and the ethos and um, the direction, the vision, following the way of Jesus in the restoration of our neighborhoods. Do I want to follow Jesus with these people and this vision? And if you can answer yes to all those questions, then I think you're in a prime space to become a church member. And if you are, you know, still wrestling with one of those, that's, that's fine. Take as long as you need in that. So for a large number of you, like you've, you've already answered those, like you're really in. And it's, this is just like a ticker box in the sense of like you're, 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 you're invested. You're here. This is your spiritual home and family. And so this is just um, a, a putting, I guess, some formality around that. For others... This is a step in, and you're faced with a decision of, like, do I want to step in? And whether you say yes or no to that, that's, that's fine. It's between you and God and, and your family.